Instructions, vitally important. And what's great about today's day and age, I've been in some situations, maybe you have too, where you're working on something and there are no instructions available. But hey, there's about six guys on YouTube that video themselves doing it. All right. <laughs> Amazing. Instructions are actually needed to get through a lot of things in life. Whether we're building a bed or we're trying to build a life for ourselves. I started this uh, series a couple weeks ago about who we are as a church. And who we are as a church certainly relates to who we are individually. They both kind of go together. <clears throat> we uh, presented this idea about a, like a summary statement for our purpose. It says, we are here to glorify God by following Jesus together and inviting everyone to follow him with us. There's a lot packed into that simply stated sentence. But a lot of it can be fleshed out with our philosophy, something I learned when I came and started reading our, our Constitution and Bylaws and stuff. It's, some of you might be familiar with it. It's the acronym WIFE, which is well chosen because the church is the bride of Christ, as described in the Bible. In other words, there's this marriage-like relationship where God loves for and cares for and nurtures and is leading his church. And if you take W-I-F-E, they each stand for a part of how we flesh out this glorifying God by following Jesus together and inviting everyone to follow him with us. The first one Jubal talked about last week, the W, worship. Far more than just singing, but a way of life. We gather as a church, however, primarily, first of all, to be worshipers together and worship God. Today, I want to talk about the I. So it's worship and then the I, which is instruction. And that's your first point if you're following along. We gather as a church, yes, primarily for worship, but we also gather to, <clears throat> excuse me, to receive instruction. <clears throat> we gather as a church to receive instruction instruction. Now, Jubal read for us Acts 2.42, a very famous passage in scriptures about the beginning of the church, the day of Pentecost, where about 3,000 people decided to follow Jesus in one day. Can you imagine that? And they began to gather together regularly. They gathered in two places. Sometimes they would, well, in, in I shouldn't say sometimes, regularly, at least weekly, there was the gathering in the temple where there would be worship and instruction going on there. But they also met in homes. I would love to see the organizational whatever that they did to figure that out. All right, there's 3,000 of us. How many's got a house that's available? <laughs> and I'd be like, me, but I don't want all 3,000 people coming over. I'd know. <laughs> oh, that's okay. There's a lot of people who've got a house. So we'll just get everybody divided up in 30s and 40s or whatever we got to do to make this work. These people were gathering in the houses. And it says, as you've heard, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayers. That word, apostles' teaching, first I want to point out that they devoted themselves to it. They made a personal devotion, a, a, a commitment to hearing it to receiving the teaching. The word te that's translated teaching there in Greek is didache. Didache, the act of, of content, the act of teaching or the content of teaching both together. That's what that's referring to. You, some of you might recognize the word. I mean, you, I don't know if you read Greek. There it is on the screen. But when I pronounced it, you might recognize the word didactic. Anybody familiar with that word? Or am I getting to... Okay, we'll, we'll talk, Nate. So that word... 
the rest of you, didactic means that which is about instruction. That which is done to make instruction possible or happening. So, all that to say, our services, our gatherings, group studies, worship service, home meetings, whatever we do, first of all happen for the glory of God. First and foremost. No question about that. If it's not glorifying glorifying God, we shouldn't do it. We had changed something about it. And therefore, these things should be worshipful, should be honoring to God. Secondly, they should be didactic. There should be opportunities to learn. Instruction should be coming in, and we should be devoted to that, engaged in it, receiving it. When we gather, learning is an important part of what we're doing. It's a part of the whole point of what we're doing. And not just on Sunday and in whatever meeting or whatever is happening, but it is a lifelong process. Now, why do I say that? First of all, and this is going to make some of you mad. You guys ready? Grab your seat. Grab your loved one. I don't know what you got to do. None of us know everything yet. I'm sorry if I just burst someone's bubble in this room. But no one knows everything yet. Yes, some of us know more than others. I'm not arguing that point. Someone's going to come at me. I've been following Jesus for 128 years. Great. Good for you. Praise God. You still don't know everything yet. You just don't. No one does. You hold up a physical Bible and you say, well, Dan, this isn't like an infinite book. It's, there's a set of words in here. I could read every one of them. <clears throat> Maybe you're like me and you're on those every year read through the Bible plans. And so you've done it for 5, 10, 20 years. I don't know. Praise God for however many times you've done it. It is possible that someone could read from the scriptures and it doesn't sound new to you. That is possible. However, however, I think many of you can agree with me that you can hear the same words you've heard 38 times in a different stage in life, in a different set of circumstances, and it just hits you different. And you're like, oh, yeah, I knew that, if this makes sense, but I didn't know that. (laughs) That hits different. What's going on here? Why didn't I see that before? Why didn't I feel that before? What's going on? Because you're a living, changing, growing human being, and God knows that. And he's working on what he's working on when he works on it. And so when we get back to the point, not only do none of us know everything yet, but none of you is all completely cleaned up yet. Ooh, I'm really getting ugly now. (laughs) There's that joke. I don't know if it's a real thing that happened where... Some pastor was up preaching the same passage every day for months and months and months and months. And finally, someone got the courage to come up and say, would you teach a different passage? And the pastor responded, when you guys start doing what the passage says, I'll move on. <laughs> that sounds kind of arrogant. I'm, here, I'm not here to tell you to say I know all the stuff and I'm doing all the stuff correctly. I'm certainly not. That's why I read the Bible every year. I don't do that so I can get up in front of you and say, as your pastor, I read the Bible every year. Aren't you so proud of me? You know what else I I read like more than once a year? I don't even remember the title of it, but this little book about Darth Vader putting Luke Skywalker to bed every night. Read it to Joel. 
I could probably recite the thing to you, but it ain't changing my life. The Bible needs to change your life. You need a steady diet of it so it can get in here and get in here and begin moving you. See, the, the point is not information. If the point was information, I'd just tell you, read it a lot and go home. The point is to take the information and let God bring transformation into your life. I can introduce you to really intelligent people. There, <clears throat> I'm going I'm to name names. Here we go. Back in California, in Southern California, there was a uh, city called Claremont, not far from where I lived, and there was a school of theology there in Claremont. And I could take you to guys who could read the Greek and the Hebrew. Just read it. They'd pull it up, just read it from them, and they could free translate it, and they could tell you the history behind words and the historical context. Oh, when Paul said this, he was speaking to the people in Galatia. And Galatians were like this and this and this and this, and they did this and that, and they, 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 they could give you all the facts and the details. And these dudes didn't even follow Jesus. They saw it as an academic experience, and they were unconverted. I like Susan's face. What? That's what I, I mean, what? This doesn't change you? It's possible to take in all the information in the world and be completely unmoved by it if you're not devoted to that. See, these people were devoted to the apostles' teaching, not because they just wanted more info. They wanted the transformation. They wanted to follow Jesus. They wanted to be changed by it. <clears throat> scripture, they understood, is for meditating. You've got to hear it again. You've got to hear it again. It is a long game experience. The way you apply something today might not be the same way you apply it in 10 years. And you need to keep hearing it because you haven't reached perfection. And neither have I. So we need to come back to it. There's that old hymn. Let me see if I can get it right here. I love to tell the story. Have you heard that one? I love to tell the story. Something like that. I don't know. I'll stop. Please don't leave. Um, it's talking about the gospel. You know, the simple story of Jesus and our salvation. And one of the lines, I like how it says, I love to tell the story to those who know it best. So the people you would like to think are like, oh, I've heard this. I have, I've actually had somebody come up to me after a service. We were preaching through Galatians and Galatians gets really down to like, here's what the gospel is and nothing else. And someone came up to me and said, why are you teaching this? We know this. We know this. And then so I had to remind this person, like that hymn says, even those who know it best, hunger and thirst for it like the rest. Why? Because my friends, you should never stray far from the gospel. The gospel is not something you take and then you grow from. We need to keep coming back. Coming back to what? I'm a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. If I forget that, there's no limit to the arrogance that can enter into my life. I've got to come back to who's the Savior. Good works? No. Church attendance? No. A Baptist in my name somewhere? No. Jesus saves me. Come back to that. Where do we get that? We get that in our instructions. We meditate on it. We keep it close. We keep it in here and in here. And we continue to let that be a part, a directive part of our lives. 
So here's the question and the challenge I want to give to you today. When you come to a gathering, do you come prepared with the expectation to learn? Maybe it is something new from the text. Maybe it is a text you never came, you never saw before. That's okay. Praise God, you're getting to encounter it. Or maybe it's something you've heard 10,000 times. Are you ready? Have you given, sounds weird to even say, have you given God permission to talk to you through it? To speak to you, to challenge you, to encourage you, to confront you, to move you, to change you. See, I say that because there are Christians, whether they know it or not, who show up to church on the weekly with no intention of changing at all. They just want to sing the songs they like. They want to say hi to the people that they like. And they want to make sure that pastor preaches what I like to hear. And when he does, they come up and say, that's good job, pastor. He shake his hand. Good job, pastor. You said the stuff that I think these people need to hear. The people who nudge their wives and husbands. You listening? <laughs> who come up to the pastor and say, I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that when Nate was here, because man, Nate needs to hear that. with no sense of, hey, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. God, I'm listening. Yes, I know this passage, but tell it to me, God. Give it to me. What, what do you got to say? What am I? Examine me. Oh, there's, there's that scary prayer from the Psalms. Check me out. Examine me. Is there any wickedness? Is there anything in there? Lord, change me. If it is something that's new, very cool. Praise God when it happens. I recognize something challenging about this. If it was only information, I'd be terrified. Because some of you have been reading the Bible cover to cover every year for longer than I've been alive. And what hope do I have to get up here and say, i got something new for you today. I ought to sit down and let you talk. But it's not only about that. It's about the transformation. It's about the Holy Spirit actively working in us and through us. And you have to let God have that opportunity. To the lady that said to me, we know this. Maybe it is. I'm going to leave room for that, okay? There will be Sundays, if it hasn't already happened to you, where you will show up and open-heartedly listen to a message, read the scriptures, consider that the message and the scriptures are in agreement, which they ought to be, and say to yourself, I already knew this, and I think God has already worked this in my life. I've already got this down. Maybe. Maybe. You know what you do on that day? You praise God that that's true. Because that wasn't you. That was God working in you. Like I always like to say, you and I didn't get smart one day and decide to follow Jesus. Jesus came and smacked me upside the head one day and said, come here. <laughs> Knock it off. Come here. <laughs> and he continually has reason to lovingly come to me and say, hey, stop it. Come here. Get closer. Let me fix that for you. Let me work in that for you. So if it's already been done, which I would actually consider kind of unlikely, but maybe, maybe, praise God for what he's done and ask God, someone else here must need to hear it and pray for that, for that person. Now, I'm not saying, oh, yeah, it's Nate, obviously. No, just God, 
Who needs to hear this? Let them hear it. And how can I encourage somebody in this today? That's a much better prayer than, ah, he's teaching that again. Did he seriously start at Genesis 1? I know the creation story. What is he doing? For real. <laughs> what I'm challenging you today is to come to the gatherings, ready to receive. What I, if I've already said it, let me say it again and make it clear. I am challenging you to, dis, <clears throat> excuse me, to dismiss the I know this already that sometimes buzzes around in our heads. To dismiss the I have it all together because no, you don't. To dismiss the preacher better get it right today and say what I agree with. Rather, come with what do you have for me, God? What do you have to say to me? I am willing to walk out of here challenged to live in some way, shape, or form differently than I came walking in with. What is it? What is it? Sometimes he encourages, sometimes he confronts. Whatever you want, God, here we go. Many of us, I believe, because I've been there, miss that because we don't come in expecting it. We're here because we have to be. It's the Christian shore. Show up on Sunday morning. I'm so encouraged. Not every Sunday, but often my kids say, today's Sunday? We're going to church? Yes. Yes. And I go, thank you, God, because I know I'm not doing everything right to make that happen. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. May that stay. May it be true in me. If we're looking for it, we'll find it. But if we don't look for it, you're just going to sit and listen to me talk. And I might as well sound like those teachers and parents on the Charlie Brown cartoons. Just be information. That's great information, but you might miss it by a foot. It gets into here and changes your life. It's not about the information. We need the information, though, to lead to the transformation. Some of, some of us stop at the information phase. I just need to know the stuff. How do you know you're a Christian? Oh, well, I know the stuff. I don't think that's what it means to be a Christian, to know the stuff. Otherwise, all those people at the Claremont colleges I was talking about, they're Christians. And no, they are not. No change, no fruit. We gather to receive instruction that leads to transformation. So let's come ready to receive. Now you might be having the question, well, receive what instruction? What instruction should we be coming to receive? Number two, the source of our instruction is God's word. It is God's word. It is not my opinion. It is not my educated whatever or yours. It is the word of God. There's enough opinions running around in this world and no way to figure out whose is the best opinion or whatever and how to figure out what the real truth is or not. It is not the trends. <clears throat> there are many churches that are blown around by trends. What's the buzz now? What's going on right now? How do we make sure we're not left out of what's now? I think Jubal talked about it. You ever heard of FOMO? 
fear of losing or missing out. That's what my kids experience every time it's time to go to bed. Jenny thinks that we somehow start this raging party the moment she's asleep. No, we go to sleep. <laughs> and I've had to tell her, she's like, I don't want to go to sleep. Well, everyone's going to be asleep. Even the dog is going to be asleep. You're going to be standing around in a dark house where we're all asleep. You might as well go to sleep. Go to sleep. The churches are looking around at the world and seeing the trends, what we're accepting now, what we're doing now, what's exciting now to the world. And they're like, oh, we've got to get on that train. And by doing that, they leave the instructions. It's like me building an Ikea bed. Well, I saw the neighbor do it like this. Dan, read the instructions. Those churches need to be right. Come, come back to the instructions. What are the instructions? The Word of God. If you are, you got a Bible open, I would invite you to go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Very famous passage <clears throat> regarding the Scriptures. Paul writing to Timothy later in his life about the firm foundation that we have in God's instructions, the Word of God. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, <clears throat> excuse me, equipped for every good work. The instructions are the word of God. Why do we say that? Well, we've got some bullets right there. God's word is inspired by God, inspired by God. The passage actually says breathed out by God. Why does it say that? Because it's using a, a word in Greek, which the New Testament was written in, theonoistos. I wasn't too confident about that. Theonoistos. Breathed out by God, actually coming out of him. In other words, he's the source of it, completely. It didn't come from somewhere else. God didn't consult the archangel Michael and say, hey, what do you think about this? Should we say it like that? No, all out of him. Breathed out by him, inspired. So it's not my authority or anyone else's. It's all God's. You can trust in his word if you can trust in God, and you can't, and submit to his word. So, a couple of implications there. If you don't like the message, and the message is based on the Bible, it's not the pastor's fault. It's, you're confronting, the, or the Bible is confronting you. Your problem is with it. Neither is it the pastor's fault if you recognize, huh, the Word of God confronted me today and I need to change. You can thank the pastor, but <clears throat> he didn't write the book. I had a, a seminary professor say to us in a preaching class, he goes, a lot of preachers unfortunately become very arrogant. They think they wield a lot of power. Guys, you are mailmen. You just deliver the mail. I don't run out and hug the mailman when somebody mails me a check. Maybe I ought to. That would freak him out. <laughs> He's a guy doesn't even get out of his little car. Your little car just drives up and he just sticks stuff in there. I'm like, come on, thank you. Let me give you a hug. I don't know. That's weird. I'm weird. The Word of God has the power. The Word of God has the authority. Not any human being. That's why one of the uh, things that came out of the Reformation, one of the statements, sola scriptura, scripture alone. We need his word. I am not smart enough. If it's about me as your pastor, I am not smart enough for this. You're like, that would have been nice to know before we called you, Dan. No, I'm sorry. 
I responded to the call because I know it's not on me and my opinion. It's about the Word of God. Those are the instructions. We need God's Word and only His Word. The next bullet is this. God's Word is necessary for us to follow Jesus. Do not ignore it. So many people are bouncing around in life saying, I wish God would speak to me with closed Bibles. Open it. (laughs) Read it. Some of us don't read it regularly because they're intimidated by it. I get that. I was once among you. Oh, I've got to read it beginning to end. So, okay, so Genesis is interesting, but then you get halfway through Exodus, and why am I reading about how to build a big tent in the desert? Twice. And then Leviticus. Oh, that's, a, that's so much fun. So many people just tank out after that. That's why you need to be in community where we can help with your questions. Don't be afraid to ask your questions. Some people I like to say, you know what? We'll get to that. Start with the Gospel of John. Just hear who Jesus is and soak in that for a while. There's so many ways that you can begin. The point is to begin. We could debate all day about what translation to use. And sometimes that's fun, right? Some people will say to me, what translation should I use? And sometimes my response is, which one will you read? Believe it or not... I used to have a personal trainer, and I, sa- and I asked her, I said, when should I work out? Because everyone says, you've got to work out in the morning. You've got to work out in the morning. And there's value to that. I get it. But the trainer said to me, when will you work out? I don't care if it's midnight. <laughs> if that's when you got to do it, that's when you do it. So when should I read my Bible? When should I read the instruction? Because I hope you're getting this. I hope I'm not conveying to you unintentionally that you have to come here to get it. Because so many Christians come, open their Bibles, or read them on the screen in here, and then they take the Bible home, and they put it on a shelf, and they don't crack it until it's time to open it again here. Can you imagine only eating once a week? (laughs) I have no But if we need instructions for life, I don't know about you, but I live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I need the instructions on a regular intake. And we ought to come to it together here, but individually there. It is necessary to follow Jesus. If you aren't in the instructions You don't have the information and the transformation you need with which to follow Jesus. You need it. The Dalai Lama. If you want to have an interesting time, go to a bookstore. You still have bookstores, Barnes and Nobles. They do exist. Uh, And sometimes I will wander into the religion section and uh, look around. And the Dalai Lama, I believe in Nepal, the head of the, um, the uh, Buddhist, uh, a sect of Buddhism, wrote a book about everything he figured out about God from staring at a flower. It's lovely. It's beautiful. God is beautiful. It's open. God is open. But it protects itself, because depending on the flower, there might be thorns. 
So God sometimes has to be hard. So wise. Am I being sarcastic? I'm like, how does this tell me how to live? Well, be like that. Based on this guy's opinion, staring at a flower. And somehow he wrote a book that thick about it. I was like, wow, that's, that impresses me right there. See, that doesn't tell you a lot. There's not a lot of instruction there. There's not a lot of how to change my life there. Yes, he said those things, but I could find a counselor that can tell me that. I could find somebody from a different religion to tell me that. I can get that anywhere. I could stare at a flower myself for a while. Come up with my own thoughts. But if there's a God, and he wants me to live a certain way, he's going to give me what I need. And we need the word to follow Jesus. Paul says it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. That's that life change that we're talking about here. The transformation. How are you going to know how to do that stuff? You will not figure out the gospel from staring at a flower. Or your TV. Or your Facebook page. Or anything else. You need to come to the Word of God for it. That's where it is. And how, my dear friends... Will you know that I'm preaching at you well, unless you're in your own Bible yourself? Because I could get up here and talk very convincingly. I could even get passionate. Maybe one day I'll pound on this, and you'll be like, oh, wow, he's excited about that. Maybe I should be excited about that too. But I, who knows what I'm saying? I challenge you to check me. Check me. Famous passage, Acts 17, 11, talking about when Paul was going to different cities and talking to the Jewish people first because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, so he'd go to them first. It says, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica, the people in Berea. They received the word with eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Paul was not threatened by that. If you're ever anywhere where somebody says, you don't need to check your Bible, just trust me, I've studied it. You need to leave that place. Immediately. <laughs> Up and out. <laughs> That's okay. If I say something like that, I would only challenge you to not leave immediately. Come up afterward and slap me upside the head and confront me about that. Put me back in my place. If I ever speak and you think, that sounds weird, go to your Bible and study it. And please come talk to me if I need correction. Because I don't have it all figured out either. Let's talk about it. But let's go to the Bible about it. It's not, that didn't make me feel good. <laughs> it's, God said that or he didn't. If there's reasonable disagreement, because sometimes that's going to happen. Because we're going to get together and sometimes look at the same passages and come at it with different philosophies. I mean, don't get me started. I don't like Calvinism. I do like Calvinism. I'm a three-point Calvinist. I'm a five-point Calvinist. I'm a two-point Calvinist. I'm a zero. I'm a point-three-point Calvinist. What are we talking about? Stop for a second. I don't like what you said about the age of the earth. Well, okay. So we're going to open the Bible and find that we have some freedom we must be humble enough to admit that and say, there's room here. There's room here. 
There's going to be room on some things. The gospel? No, there's no room there. Purpose of the church? There's no room there. But there's some things where, like, man, okay, I can see why you, you think that. And we have to, therefore, disagree with each other respectfully. <clears throat> and we got to agree to do that. But if one of us is just disagreeing because we're denying what the Bible says clearly, that's a problem. And we shouldn't ignore that problem. Because the Bible is our source of authority from God to direct our lives toward how to live for Him. It is necessary. And it's also, therefore, all we need. The next bullet there is God's Word is sufficient for us to follow Jesus. It's all we need. You don't need all these other things that we often run to to figure out how to live our lives well. Some people will, without realizing it, they will say, I read the Bible sometimes, but I also watch The Chosen. Or, let me get worse. I read the Bible, but I also check my horoscope. <laughs> I read the Bible, but I need Oprah's next book. Got to read it. No, you don't. <laughs> Specifically, no, you don't. So, <laughs> it's all we need. I'm not saying you can't ever get help from anywhere else. Where, I mean, help from another person to help you understand what God says. But it has everything we need. The, the, the scripture we read already in, in, in 2 Timothy talks about how it's all we need to follow Jesus is there. All we need to follow Jesus is there. The King James, I like how it words it, so that the man of God will be thoroughly furnished. Whenever I hear that, I think of, oh, I've got all the... I've got all the, the chairs and tables and everything in my room, all the furnishing. But that's kind of the point. You've got what you need. Without it, you're like a kitchen without a table in it. Or the kitchen proper without the stove, without the microwave. Without it, it doesn't have what you need. But if it's got everything you need, you can use it. And the Bible has all that you need. To do what? Every good work. Everything God expects from you, it's in here. You don't need another novel or a movie or another book to help you arrive at every good work that God has planned for you unless those sources are another way for, that accurately point to the Bible for you and help you get it. See, if I, if I go too far with this, I'm going to talk myself out of a job. <laughs> and that, no, that's okay, though. I'm asking you not to rely on me completely. And in fact, don't rely on me at all unless I'm pointing to the Scriptures and accurately handling it. If I stop doing that, you have no use for me at all. All I want to do is help you along as we grow together following the instructions that God has given us. And He's given us everything we need. So the question there is, are you using it? Are you relying on it? Do you treat it like it's a necessary part of your life? Or is it just one of many books on the shelf that you sometimes pull down? Or is this what we're doing here, just one of many places where you just listen to things that kind of guide your life, maybe? I heard a pastor talking about people who come to church to hear a preacher preach, or maybe put on podcasts to hear other preachers preaching at them, but they never open the Bible for themselves. And he had a gross comparison. Are you guys ready for this? This is like going to the buffet and looking at all the food. Here's the prime rib. There's a guy cutting it for you. There's the chicken, roasted, fried. 
mashed potatoes, ribs, oh, it's all there. And you're like, oh, that looks really good. Um, thanks for preparing that. Um, but where do you keep the pre-chewed food? That's what I want. I know. Ugh. Dan, why are you saying that right before lunchtime? That's disgusting. <laughs> Let me give you the, the application. Learn to cook for yourself. You aren't going to be able to check me or anybody on the radio or a podcast or TV if you don't know how to cook for yourself. You've got to do it. Be in the word. Be in the instructions. I'll even go so far as to say this. I, I haven't appreciated watching someone else cook something as well as I do if I know how to cook that myself and see the way that they do it. See, it's, it brings in this whole new f- angle on the relationship of what we do here. I love it when people come up and say, you made that good point. It made me think this and this and this, which relates to what God is talking to me about here as I'm reading this over here and we're coming things together and we're all studying our own, on our own and coming together. There's so much strength in that. A church is so much stronger when people read the instructions on their own and study it and are devoted to it. You will be stronger in your faith and more encouraging to others and we'll all grow in faith together as we devote ourselves to the instruction. False teaching, and there's a lot of it out there, won't move you if you're grounded in the truth. Maybe you've heard this analogy. It it speaks to me because I've been in this business. One of my uh, jobs that I had in Orange County a long time ago when I was in school is that I was a line teller in a Bank of America. Okay? So I was one of the people you'd walk up to and do transactions with. And uh, I handled a lot of money. A lot of money. It made me nervous sometimes. Dan, can you... Can you replenish uh, ATM number two over there? And I'd walk over with a bag that had about $20,000 in $20 bills. And I was like, can I have a gun? They're like, no. I'm like, okay. <laughs> the, wor- the, the, the biggest thing, I had a guy come up with a suitcase. He opened it up and it was $400,000 in brand new $100 bills. And brand new $100 bills don't fit. I know maybe they do now, but at that time it did not fit in the thing that you put it in and goes and tells you how many you are. So we had to do this because they were sticking to each other. By the time I was, it took about 45 minutes for me and another guy to do it. By the time we were done, all our fingertips were black. And we bagged it up in a bag and put it in the vault and stopped and stared at it for a minute. $400,000. That's how it looks. Walking away now. Walking away. Shut the vault. Spin it. I have handled lots and lots of cash through these hands. And no joke, because this actually happened. That felt weird. That's counterfeit. Now, when I started that job, they told me about counterfeit money. They did not hand me a counterfeit bill. 
They did not show me a picture of counterfeit bills and say, this is what they look like, what they feel like. No, we talked a whole lot about how real money feels. And when, you, when it's in your hand and the grooves and all the little signs that are on and all the little things to look for, we studied that so that when the wrong thing showed up, we were like, oh, hey, what is this? And that's what it's like, brothers and sisters and friends. Study the truth. You don't need to go study the error. If you're well-versed in the truth, the error will be obvious to you. And you'll go, oh, wait a, wait a minute. What is that? And have the humility to say, well, let's check on that. Let's go to the Word and see. Okay, nope, 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 nope. Sorry. And I want that for all of you. Because there is so much garbage out there. You go on the Internet, you Google some stuff. There's so many books you can read. So much TV to watch. And there's so much... Straight up evil, just hiding in a lot of places. I got to watch what my kids watch. I'm not even talking about, you know, which preacher you turn on the TV or whatever. I got to check it with Paw Patrol. Because everybody, everybody is presenting a worldview. Literally everyone. Everyone's making a statement about reality. And I've had to take with kids' programs and go, hey, Joel, you know what they're saying, right? Yeah, they're saying this. Oh, good, you get it. You know that's garbage, right? That's not what Jesus says. That's not what Jesus says. What does Jesus say? Okay, we got it. High five. Maybe we don't watch that anymore. Statements are always being made. And like I said, that's not even with whether or not I choose to watch Charles Stanley or Andy Stanley or any other preacher or any other podcast, or any, anything. It's a, there's, there's a lot of good out there. I'm not saying don't take in anything. That, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The message today is only listen to me. Amen. Let's pray. No. i got a lot of podcasts and things I listen to, but I've vetted them pretty hard, <laughs> and so should you. I don't want any wind of anything to just blow you over. I don't want people shaken by the stuff that's out there. And there's a lot that'll shake you if you let it. Or stuff, worse yet, that makes you think that you're being empowered and makes you think that you're, you're a better person because of it. And then just one more thing happens to you. And it all falls apart. I worked, when I was at that Bank of America, there was a teller there. And, you know, we got into talks. It happened when the crowd thinned out and we were just cleaning up and making sure our drawers were good and, and all the money was organized and we were just talking. Oh, Dan, you're, you're a Christian. Yeah. Oh, what do you believe about this? What do you believe? These little conversations would start. And this one girl, I'm an atheist. And I said, hey, with, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but most people are atheists because some kind of a reason. Do you have a story behind that decision? Yeah, I do. Okay, mind, mind telling me? Yeah, sure. I used to believe in God, and I had this severe back pro- problem, and a friend of mine said, come with me to my church. We're doing a healing service. And a bunch of people prayed on me, and I felt this warm tingle, and it felt like my back problem went away, and I just said, praise God, praise Jesus. The next day, it hurt worse than ever. God is not real. If that church had followed the instructions, 
that might not have happened. I believe God calls who he calls. Don't get me wrong. But I also think God is going to call some churches to account for the things that they say to people. And they will answer for it. And that terrifies me to want to come to the instructions and to know them well. If you hold to what God has given us, devote yourself to it, life circumstances will not move you. You'll know why you're here, and you'll be living the life that you're supposed to be living. You'll be convicted and motivated to do so. You will not waste your time. You will not waste your life. You will be a worshiper in spirit and in truth. You will be seeking actively to be in fellowship. We'll be talking about that next week. It is very rare that God calls lone gunslingers into his army. You will be in service, serving fellow church members, brothers, sisters, neighbors. And you will be involved in reaching out with the gospel. We'll be talking about that in a few weeks as well. You cannot know God without his word. And the degree to which you know the word is the degree to which you know God and can follow him accurately. Don't be discouraged if you have noticed a lot of other people know the word more than I know the word. Don't be discouraged by that. Everyone has to start somewhere. The point is to start. It's also, again, possible to know the word really well and have no relationship with God at all. The first step is to obey what the word tells us. And that first step for everyone is to step into this. To love God in the person of Jesus Christ and begin following him. Receiving what he's done for us, as the word tells us. He died for my sin and for yours. He rose again in victory so that our sin can be forgiven and we can have a place in God's kingdom. Starting now and ultimately when we see him. Again, see, it's not about information. It's about transformation. You cannot follow God without his word guiding. So I encourage you to dig in the word. Take the first step of coming to Christ for your forgiveness, for your salvation. Continue to follow him in his word and let him direct you and teach you. I commit and have committed already to do my best with God's help. To teach what the Bible says. I invite you to come ready to receive it, but more than that, to be a student of the word yourself. When we do this together, we'll grow together in Christ. Would you please stand with me?